Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. We have two guests lined up for you today. We missed Adrian Autry towards the end of the show yesterday. Syracuse was still practicing as we left the air. We will get Autry on at the top of our number two. But coming up next in about 15 minutes from now, uh, David Borges. He's the UConn basketball beat writer for the New Haven Register. He'll join us to uh, break down the Huskies. It is game day, Seth, down at Madison Square Garden. It is. Six and two Huskies. Six and one orange getting set to go at it uh, at the garden one more time. 16th time they will meet at Madison Square Garden. They've played some epic games, as we know. Last year's game was close. There was a lot of drama. Not, I would not, not call not it epic. epic. No, no, it was not epic. It was one that uh, I think even UConn wanted to forget. They won the game, but neither team could make a shot. Um, and Syracuse heads into this game. I was a little surprised by the line. Syracuse only favored by five. I feel like, based on what we've seen so far, they feel better than that. Um, but Vegas has this as a, a five-point spread, and it is a, a very important game for a lot of reasons. Oh, yeah. It's a big game because it's a game that you don't want to lose because right now UConn is, you know, middle of the pack uh, to NIT, you know, middle of the pack NIT to out of the NIT uh, based on the metrics, but they very well could take a nosedive when the conference schedule starts and they very well could fall off the map. Um, and, and you don't want to be stuck kind of in in that range where you lost that game. Um, you know, this is not a game that you want to have on your ledger as a loss. So you've got to win it, uh, really not because it'll help you as a win, but because it won't hurt you that you lost. Um, and, and that's kind of what has to happen. You've got to show you can bounce back from a loss on Saturday and win a game two days later because that's going to happen throughout the course of the season, right? You're going to have to bounce back from Saturday games and play on Tuesdays. Um, and you're going to have to be able to win those games. The Kansas game marked the official midway point of the non-conference schedule, and you and I have kind of settled on this number of 11-2. and two. If Syracuse is 11-2 and two coming out of non-conference, going into ACC conference play, I think you feel pretty good about their chances to make the NCAA tournament. They're 6-1 and one right now, so they're on pace to get to that 11-2, and two. and I think you could make a strong case, Seth, that the harder half of that non-conference schedule has already been played. That as you look ahead, and I know St. Bonaventure's still out there, and, and Buffalo's pretty good. And name and name brands of Georgetown and UConn are out there, but, but that's all they are. They're name right. brands. And they are away from the Dome, those two games in particular. UConn is neutral site. Georgetown is away. Do you buy that, though, when you look at, again, the, the front half of the schedule that included Maryland and Kansas, Toledo, Oakland, Texas Southern? I realize those last three, they're not marquee names, but in terms of teams that are picked to win their conference, I think that was the harder half of the non-conference schedule. Yeah, I, I mean, look, th- those teams were picked to win their conference. I, I'd have to really dig into the metrics and the RPI to see, you know, is is Toledo ranked higher than... You know, UConn is Texas Southern. Well, I, I would imagine almost anybody is ranked higher than Georgetown. 
Um, but, you know, it's it's that kind of thing where you would have to really nitpick and dive into the numbers of of who is, you know, picked to, to be higher at the end of the year. Um, I think that the first half of the non-conference schedule was relatively challenging. I, I think that when you look at those three teams that they played before Kansas in, in Toledo, Iona, Texas Southern, uh, even Oakland, uh, they, they are all projected to, you know, go – compete in their conferences. Uh, Georgetown is not. UConn is not. Buffalo could. Um, but it, it it seems like the front half of that schedule was a little bit more difficult. And this is a, a UConn team that, yes, comes into this game at 6-2, and two, could easily be 4-4 four and four with, with a couple of really bad losses. Uh, UConn surviving at home in overtime the last two games against Columbia and then against Monmouth. Uh, Altery Gilbert, their, their point guard, not playing uh, the last few games because of injury, not expected to play again tonight. And, and I guess to some degree you have to give the, the Huskies credit for coming back and winning those games. They were in a whole lot of trouble against Columbia. Scratched and clawed their way back, forced overtime on a last-second shot in regulation, then won it in overtime and, and able to beat Monmouth in, in OT as well. So I guess you have to give them some credit for winning those games. But this is a team that is clearly struggling, clearly not the UConn of old. And it's an opportunity tonight, again, for Syracuse to win a game away from the Cary Dome, something they could not do last year. They had two total wins away from the Dome. Clemson, NC State, nothing in the non-conference. This is a chance, even though it's not a, this isn't going to be looked at as a marquee win, I don't think, by the end of the season, but it is a chance to show the committee, hey, we can win on a neutral site. We can win away from the Carrier Dome against teams outside our conference. Right, and how often did we have this discussion last, you know, February, March, well, where's the tournament played? The tournament's not played in the Carrier Dome. The tournament's played on neutral sites. The tournament's played on road arenas. Um, you've got to be able to go win on the road. You've got to be able to go win uh, in other people's buildings. And and last year they did not do that. And last year, you know, that's what kept Syracuse out. And uh, they they've got to get some more wins uh, because how many times did we hear also after Syracuse was left out? Oh well, you know the tournament committee has never put in some uh, a team with fewer than three wins, you know, road or neutral games, and Syracuse had two. So you know you you look at it, and th- there was a lot going against Syracuse last year, and that was one of the biggest factors. They had to be able to win games away from the Carrier Dome, and they never proved that they could. So here's an opportunity, and you're going to get another one in about a week and a half. But it's a bad UConn team, right? It's a bad Georgetown team. Go out and beat them. Right, go beat them on the road. Go beat them on a neutral floor, and and pick up a couple easy early, out of your own building wins. You and I were talking about this before the show started. That over the summer, the NCAA announced that they're they're going to change the way the committee looks at at wins and the metrics that they use. And so this isn't new, but I think we should bring it up because this is again a, a neutral site game for Syracuse to try and go out and win. Under the new system, it used to be, as we all know, there were there were basically four tiers of wins. Top 50 wins, top 100 wins, 101 to 200 and then 201 and higher in terms of the RPI. They have changed that now to take into account where the games are played. So for instance, a tier 1 win, a quadrant 1 win is if you're at home, it's got to be over a top 30 RPI team. If it's a neutral site game, it's top 50. If you're away, if it's a true road game, 1 through 75. Top 75 win counts as a quadrant 1, counts as a quality right. win. So the way this breaks down, Seth, is that a win tonight over UConn. UConn, I think their RPI right now is about 85, 86. A win tonight over UConn would be equivalent to if Syracuse beat Notre Dame tonight at home. 
Right. Think about that. Yeah, that's what I don't like about this. And and I'm all for putting an emphasis on home wins. Like I, I think that on, on road wins, I think that's fine. Um but you cannot convince me that winning tonight in a neutral building against a UConn team that's probably not gonna be that good, especially come year's end, is the same as beating Notre Dame in your home building. Like that I that's what I don't like about this re emphasis uh this this new emphasis. Um again, I'm fine. Road games should be important. You should take into account games that that teams want away from their own building because, as we said, that's where the that's where the tournament's played. The tournament will never be played in your home building. Um, but with that being said, there's there's no way that a that a win tonight against UConn is equal to a win tonight against Notre Dame in the Dome. We keep talking about St. Bonaventure is you know a quality opponent, and that would be a quality win. St. Bonaventure's RPI at the moment is 85. UConn is 86. A win over St. Bonaventure, again, if it happened tonight inside the Dome, that would be considered a Quadrant 3 win opposed to UConn, which would be Quadrant 2. So a win over UConn at MSG, again, according to this new system, is better than beating St. Bonaventure at home. I'd also like to just point out, right now UConn is 86th RPI, right? Yeah. So they would be Quadrant 2. Correct. Under the old system... Quadrant two was fifty to hundred, so they would still be a quadrant two game. Again, right now, no, and I know this. This could all change. It and, depends and, on where they are. At the exactly, end. but I just wanted to point out that that for the purposes of Syracuse, right, it's not changing too much. It would change. It would affect that game for sure. The St. Bonaventure game. St. Bonaventure game for, would be quadrant three instead right, of quadrant two. Right. So that would certainly have an effect. But the the two road games, right, it would not have an effect. On, Sir- on on UConn, because UConn would still be Quadrant 2, and right now Georgetown at 186 would be a Quadrant 3 loss, uh, a Quadrant 3 game, because it's an away team between 135 and 240. It would be Quadrant 3 anyway, because it would have been between 100 and 200. So we can talk about this a lot, and we'll talk about it a lot, I'm sure, at the end of the year, because Georgetown could very well slip even further. UConn could very well slip even further. But right at this moment, nothing. Th- th- there would be no difference between these two last year and this year. Fair point. Fair point. But if Georgetown, again, this is a big if, but if Georgetown could somehow be a bubble team, for instance, and be top 75 in an RPI, that would be considered as good of a win as you can get. Away, like on the road at Georgetown, if they're somehow 75th or better, that would be... That's a queer... That's, that's a, a quality one win. That, yeah. is, that is like beating Duke right. at home, which again... Insane! Makes no sense, right. but when you look at the resume, that would be a, a true quality win if Georgetown could be top 75. So it's important... Well, last that, year they were borderline top 50, uh, or was it two years ago? I don't know. One of these years, they were borderline top fifty, and you're like, "Oh, that's not a terrible." And they're going to win a lot of games this year in non-conference because they're playing right. no one. And then you know, you hope that they can go out and, and compete in conference play and, and keep their RPI uh, relevant and, and relatively high. But I think that's an important thing to point out is that the committee is placing a huge emphasis, a, a larger emphasis than ever, on just playing away from home, playing neutral site games, road games. I, I do like it moving forward. It places a larger emphasis, though, for Syracuse on these games, especially this year, because they have three games away from home in non-conference, right? They played Kansas. That game's not going to hurt them, certainly. Uh, but they've got UConn and Georgetown. And and these games are, right now, UConn is as important as playing Notre Dame at home. Notre yeah, Dame's RPI is 34. If it's outside the top 30, it's not considered a Quadrant 1 win well, and the, if it's and, at home. Right. And the way that that changes is it's if you win, right? If 
if you lose, you, the, I'm sure, even though it's in the same quadrant, I'm sure the committee would look much more favorably at losing at home to Notre Dame Obviously. than to UConn, no matter where that game is played. Uh, that's Again, that's the part that bothers me. So you don't like, like this? No, not really. I mean, I think that you... The, the thing that annoys me is that because of the sliding bracket, like like you said, beating the 75th best team on the road is the same as beating the the third team in your home building. It works both and ways, it, though. So if right. you go on the road to a top 75 RPI team and you lose, right. so say, let, let's look at it right now. So if you say go, you on, go and so you, you lose, lose to uh, Georgetown. Yeah, and they, they end up climbing. Right. Or so say they're top seventy five. Th- that's yeah. considered. It's not going to hurt you because that's considered a you know a quadrant one loss. Whereas you know if in, in years past that would be considered a quadrant two loss, and now it doesn't look quite as good. So it works both ways. If you go right. on the road and lose, it doesn't hurt you. If you go on the road and win, it helps you a little bit more. I don't really see <laughs> a, a problem with that. It, but for Syracuse, because they have so few games away from the dome in non conference, you you better win these, right? You, exactly. Like, you better go two and one in these games. You lost the yes. one to Kansas. You as need expected. to win the other. You got to win UConn and Georgetown, and right? That, but that's going to help you. I think that would have been the case regardless of what system we're using, right? Because after last year, after what we saw, you knew that this team had to win more games away from the dome, um, and, and so because of that, you had to find wins somewhere. You had to find a win away from the Carrier Dome, you had to find multiple wins that you did not get last year. And this year, it's UConn and it's Georgetown. And you could have won that that UConn game last year and you didn't have the Georgetown game you know, away last year. Uh, but th- these are games that you have to win, regardless of, of the weighted emphasis by the NCAA. You, you have to win some road games. And you know, I think we saw that last year. You need to be able to win on the road. And it doesn't matter who you beat on the road. It matters that you won games on the road. I, I just I find it fascinating that this game counts the same as if you beat Notre Dame or Miami at home tonight. Right. And it, it counts more than if you beat St. Bonaventure. And I think we all believe St. Bonaventure is a pretty good team. So that shows you the emphasis on this game and, and how important it is. We do need to take our first time out. When we return, we'll bring on David Borges from the New Haven Register. He's the UConn basketball beat writer for that publication. We'll get his thoughts on the Huskies on the matchup tonight. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. Seth hit the wrong button so you wouldn't know it, but it is time for Our today's take on business. The day's top there we stories. go. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Better late than never, I guess. It's brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. And for that, we bring in our producer, Max. What's up, Max? Just getting my daily amusement out. Seth, uh, always I've been good about it. You're like 0 for 2 this week. No, I'm not. Did I not do it yesterday? I don't think so. Oh, well, well, nobody (laughs) said anything to me. All right, anyway. Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski officially suspended one game by the league for his leaping forearm blow to the Bills cornerback Tredavious White. White ended up with a concussion, as we all know. Gronk getting a mere one-game suspension. NFL vice president of football operations saying that uh, the contact was not incidental, could have been avoided, and placed the opposing player at serious risk of injury. 
Gronk still able to appeal his suspension. He will also be available for a December 17th matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. My question, if they weren't playing the Steelers and were playing, oh, the Browns per se, do you think Gronk would have gotten a longer suspension? Because I seriously think they they got this wrong. And yeah, I think, I think he should have gotten a longer suspension. But if they uh, weren't playing the Steelers, like, yeah, they're both 10 no, and 2. that might have played into it. That but, absolutely. It's going to decide home field advantage in right. the AFC. Uh, Steelers won last night. They own the tiebreaker right now. So if the playoffs started today, Steelers would have home field. But they have the same record. Essentially, I think it comes down to whoever wins that game is most likely going to get home it field. Will. I think but you bring up a good point, Max. That shouldn't they be punished for that? Yes. You know, like, absolutely, absolutely. Right? Yeah. But in a season where television ratings are suffering, um, and when you go back, and I, again, I don't know how much of this played into it, but Deflategate and everything that happened with Tom Brady and the relations with you know Bob Kraft, and um, I don't know if it all played into it or not, but that's certainly a conspiracy theory. I agree with you in that I think he should have gotten more than a game. Is that the reason that the NFL didn't give him a game? Because they saw that marquee matchup, they saw Steelers-Patriots. Um, could be. Could yeah, be. I, I think so, and... and Look, I, I said yesterday I thought it should have been three or four games, and, and I th- I think that they messed up by getting it so short and going one. Uh, but also, how about the, let's say, guts uh, of Gronk to to appeal this? Yeah, that's I, the I other mean, thing. I, I know that that's just kind of like standard practice, and you appeal your suspensions, but maybe don't. Just kind of take it and stride yeah. like you obviously intentionally right. hurt somebody who is probably six inches and... 80 pounds smaller exactly. than you. Maybe, if you, maybe it, just don't. If you appeal a suspension, they should open that up to it could go either way. We can either I lessen agree it with or you. we can, I like we can that. make it more. I like it's that. It's like, kind of like a plea deal, right? You either take the plea deal that's on the table. This is what we're offering. And if you roll the dice and you send it to a jury, you know, who you knows how much you... could end up with 10 years <laughs> when you thought you were going to go away for three months. So I think that would, that would make players think twice about appealing a suspension, especially one that feels appropriate here. Um, now, we should know in the next day or two, and and I don't think there's any way that this there's gets no reduced chance. to just no. a fine. I think he's sitting. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that took some guts. Yeah. Especially, from, after, that, especially right? after last night's game and how bad that made the NFL look. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the Steelers and the Bengals. It got really, not. really ugly. Highlights. It was a really, Bengals really had, ugly what, game. Bengals had, 180 penalty yards? Yep. Something like that. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had one of the worst blindside blocks I think I've See, ever worst seen. Worst or best? See, I, mean, it was, I mean, if it's six inches lower, it's a legal hit, but he hit perfect right in the here's jaw. Here's the thing. I wasn't watching and, because I kind of knew that Steelers-Bengals is, is usually like that, right? In like, a downpour. Like right. It was a, in right. a rainstorm. Like that, was like, that was like about what I would have expected. And so I like flipped over at some point. Maybe it was like 1030. I'd stopped watching you know, so, some Netflix and whatever, and I, I, I flipped it over. And I saw enough and saw that block. Like, it was like two plays after I yeah. turned over. I was like, well, this game's going exactly how I expected. And then I turned it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> started, I watching. it started on a bad note with the Ryan Shazier injury. And then... From what like I've seen, though, that, that wasn't got, a dirty hit. That was no, just, like, was bad just, form. Yeah, bad yeah. timing. And, you know, but Poor Antonio Brown too. catches a touchdown in the back of the end zone. And Georgia Loca comes over yeah, and just drilled. drills him right in the chin. And then that's what prompted the Juju Smith-Schuster thing, and they were just going back and forth all night. Is there and, anyone, though, and I'm not, listen, I'm not condoning violence, but is there anyone that deserves to be blindsided more, more than, than I, was, I said that to my well, friend I was see, watching the game did with you, us. Like, did you hear what happened after the game? Juju Smith-Schuster is doing his, his thing with reporters, 
And in the background, you hear Antonio Brown yelling, It's karma! He kept saying it Yelling over and over again. Over yes. and over. I, I did well, see then, that. This is what Ben Roethlisberger's excuse for how chippy oh. the game was. It's AFC North football. Yeah, I wanted to get to this. I wanted to get to this. Because he said that. He said, oh, it's AFC North football. And Lisa Salters was like, you you sure that's what you want to go with? And he was like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then Marvin Lewis is asked afterwards, like, do players have to start policing themselves? Because the sport has really done a lot to, like, try and legislate this stuff out. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Football is a pretty tough sport. Now he kept, in, he kept saying, "Give me a specific yeah, example." Yeah, and, and the reporters like, like, "Well, you can pick, yeah, yeah. pick one of about yeah. ten from this game." I like, I just, I think that sitting here in 2017, and and you could call and say I'm a wuss, or like the NFL has gotten you know soft, uh, but those are not acceptable answers to what happened last night. Like not they even just, close. they just aren't. Like given what we know, given what the league has tried to do. Like, saying, oh, well, like, it's just football, and football's tough, and our division is rough, and, like, that's not okay anymore, right? Like, am I crazy here? No, and when are the players going to realize that they're just doing this to each other, and this is supposed to be this fraternity, like, amongst, you know, like, NFL players, and you're supposed to have some sort of respect, and you're going out there just and blaming a divisional rivalry on the fact that you're going to take a cheap shot at another player and potentially seriously injure him, and... I don't know. That's it's just that was a weird game. It was a really bad look for the NFL. I think you had the you had the announcers, and I know McDon- Sean McDonough is not like shy, doesn't shy away. He he just ripped him, and so did Gruden. Yeah, yeah, both of them, both of them, very upset. And I mean, for good reason. It was an ugly game last night, and uh, for that reason, I'm ready to move on to Steve's favorite person, Lavar Ball. Oh, I thought we were going to talk John Calipari. Okay, Lavar Ball, he's right up there. It's one or the other. What do you guys think about his? Uh, let's call it a bold decision withdrawing uh, Le- Leangelo. Right, it my is favorite Leangelo. part of these are Woj's tweets. Oh yeah, Adrian Wojnarowski saying talking to a GM. He's not on any of our scouting list, even the extended list. And apparently, Lavar's ball, Lavar Ball's plan is to better prepare him. Air quote for the NBA draft coming up this year. They don't know whether he's just going to train with his homeschooled younger brother, LaMelo, who's still verbally committed. And No, he said he's not going either. He's not going to UCLA no. now? Oh, no. See, I'm behind the ball. I, I'm so over this, but this is Behind just, the ball, no pun intended. There we go. You could say he's taking his ball and going home. All right. Is, anyway. there, is there an adult, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this, is there an adult that is more immature than LeVar Ball? Absolutely not. Did you well, see what the Lakers did well, yesterday? They implemented the Levar Ball maybe. rule for their media. I mean, okay, so maybe, maybe, maybe I, I don't know that I don't know that you want my answer, but maybe I'm going to say Pauly Sibilia <laughs> might be up there. You were going to go political with your answer. Probably. I know, I, I know yes. that. I, I know exactly where you were going. You get my point, though. You said that it's a bold move. the The word that pops into my head, the adjective, is is immature, because that that's what it is. I mean, the lessons that this guy is teaching his kids. That shoplifting in China is no big deal. Right. And the fact that if you don't get your way... You can just go home and make your own rules. Yeah, we'll we'll just we'll do it our own way. But the best part was about getting shoplift the shoplifting thing in China. He was asked about it, and he was like, "The punishment was worse over there than it is being indefinitely suspended from UCLA." Didn't you like? By the way, he was asked like, "Oh, did you tell Steve Alford or anybody that he you were pulling your son out?" And he goes, "Nope." He goes, "They didn't tell me he was getting suspended." 
Yeah. Like, so? I mean, are, look, look at what we, he did with his youngest son, saying he's going to homeschool him. Again, he doesn't get along with the coach. Oh, you're, you're not going to do what I tell you to do? Fine. We're, we're going to take him out of here. We're going to go somewhere else. The, the mess, and, and, you know, you guys are laughing about this, and I, I get that it's like it's amusing on some level. It's also, like, really, really sad. It is. Yeah, yeah. The, this guy's parenting skills, and again, I'm not trying to be on a soapbox here and, you know, come across as holier than thou. I mean, you know, as parents, we all make decisions on how we're going to, you know, what we're going to teach our children and whatnot. But this, like this guy is a joke. Yeah. And, and the messages that he's sending to his kids and, and don't forget, and, and maybe this is why it, it touches a nerve with me. Like my son really likes Lavar or not Lavar uh, Lonzo. Lonzo. It, it's, it's his favorite player. Like he likes the way he plays. He's okay. And, and you know, we, we've, we've discussed it and, and he, my son is still trying to figure out what's what's funny about this and what's not funny, and he's impressionable. Right. He's eleven years old. So again, I don't mean to be on a soapbox here, but but this guy is teaching his kids the wrong message. He's sending the wrong message, and then in turn, there are our kids around the country. My son is an example who looks up to Lonzo Ball, and I don't want him to to get confused right. about the message. No, I was going to say like I'm not a parent, obviously, so like I can't necessarily speak on the parenting skills, but he doesn't strike me as a good parent. You no. know, like, like at all. You don't all. have to like, be a parent to like, see that. Like, he, he just, time after time, is, is doing bad things, and and this kind of, like, amplifies and magnifies the point of, like, you, you've got these delusional thoughts in your mind that, like, all your kids are the greatest thing ever, except this one's not, like, and, and your kids aren't, and, like, he probably isn't playing basketball as a future so why not let him stay and get four years of education, and maybe after four years, he can go make a nice living for himself somewhere, playing basketball or doing something else. Like, it, it, it's not just the basketball. It's not just the, like, the, the, the oh, shoplifting is okay, which, like, no. Uh, but you're also messing him up for future, right? Yes. For, for the future of this, because basketball's not everything. And let's hope... Let's hope, and I don't. It, these might be two really good kids. Uh, you know, Lonzo's already in the NBA, but Leangelo and Lamelo, I, I, I don't obviously know them personally, and they might be good kids. But I, I hope this doesn't work out because, again, what kind of message will this send in the future? That you know, oh well, it worked out for them. Like you're not going to play me, or you know, you're not going to start me, or I'm not getting the minutes I want. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go overseas. I'm going to play for a year. I'm going to go to the NBA. Like it's all going to be fine. Like, like. You know, you need me more than I need you. That like that's the message that these kids are given, right? Yeah. Like you better yep. give in to my demands or the demands of my dad because if you don't, like if I'm not happy, like you need me. I don't need you. I'm gonna go overseas, I'm gonna make a living, I'm gonna make money, I'm gonna go to the NBA. So my hope is it does not work out for these two and that we don't have a repeat of this and this becomes like a thing yeah. moving forward. Well, you know, Jason Tatum is looking like a pretty good option for the Lakers right now. I mean, if you're if you're a GM anywhere now and you've seen what Lavar's done with the Lakers and how he's made that whole situation just really awkward for Lonzo and how he's been calling out Luke Walton and what team is going to sign any of his brothers 
because they know that he's his dad, their dad is just going to do the same thing. Did you see the Lakers change their rules about yeah, media availability bring, bring with that the, up. the parents and all and, because of him? And they they have a certain area for those of you who don't know what we're talking about. There's a certain area, it's Staples family Center, area. where the right the family members stand, wait for the players after the game so they can talk to them. And media up until this point, media members were allowed to mingle with the family members and on occasion conduct interviews and you know talk about a certain situation or a certain player. That is now off the table simply because of LeVar Ball. They've also instituted a rule. No family members can do interviews on the court, he which was doing LeVar one, Ball did after the opener. He was doing right. one almost every game, too, in the family and area. And so now that's that's restricted. And the security, uh, you know, the members of the security team there have been told, if you see anyone interviewing a family member slash, in, in parentheses, LeVar Ball, yeah. you are to interrupt that interview and, and to put a stop to it. Can I also throw out, like, uh, we've watching sports TV, and, and look, I don't watch first take all that much, but it it seems like we've gotten over the LeVar Ball having on some of these shows, right? Like it, He was it on seems CNN like, last but, night. But that's what I was going to say. We in the sports world like have kind of gotten over having him on these shows. And I'm at the gym this morning, and he was on the Today Show and CNN. In the hour that I was at the gym, he was on both shows. And I'm just like, why? Like The sports world has gotten smart. Like The sports world has gotten past this guy. And like you just discovered him last week. And you threw him on the air as if he was just concerned dad whose son got arrested when, like, that's not what happens. It blows my mind that, like, the news world is now falling for this charade in this game. It's it's annoying at this point, to be honest. And the problem is, is he's not going away. Even if it doesn't work out with LaMelo or LiAngelo, Lonzo Ball is not going anywhere. Lonzo is going to be relevant for at least... Five years, I mean, probably more than that. But, I mean, yeah. he's he's not going away anytime soon, and that's unfortunate. Can I throw one more story out? Sure. sure. Uh, just coming across the uh, Twitter timeline, Russia barred from the 2018 Olympics, totally, as a country, due to doping. So, hmm. throwing that out there. Interesting. Anything else for us, Max? Uh, Baker Mayfield, clear-cut Heisman winner? Yes. He's going to win it. Um if Lamar Jackson did not win last year, and if Louisville was ten and two instead of eight and four, if Louisville were nine and three, he probably would win it. I mean, his numbers are right. essentially the same. He's they're better. Better, his, they? they're better. He's accounting for four hundred eleven yards per game compared to three ninety three. Certain categories are better. Cer- cer- certain ones they're they're slightly off. But they, I mean, touchdowns. They're, they're essentially the same. Yeah. I mean, he has the he has the numbers he had last year, and in some cases, to your point, better numbers. If they were ten and two. And but if I mean Lamar did not win it last year. Um, what, I think he would he would be getting strong consideration. He is not going to win it. It's going to be Baker Mayfield. It's going to be Baker Mayfield in a landslide. Um, but it's there is some some of this that's political. What's more confusing to me is that people still put Sam Darnold number one on their projected draft boards over Baker Mayfield. And if you look I at want their Baker numbers, Mayfield in blue. Right, but if you look at their numbers, Darnold's thrown for like 700 fewer yards, and I think... Some of that's the offense and, right. and the conference. Right, And but Baker Mayfield completing passes at a ridiculous rate, 71% completion rate, and I mean, if you just watch the kid play, he's got an absolute rifle for an arm. And I I, I don't know if I... because he's short. because he's 5'11", 6'5". I don't know if I haven't tall. watched Darnold enough this year, but when I've watched Baker Mayfield, I've just... 
I've said wow like a lot. We've seen this in the past, Max, and we could talk more about this, you know, after the season and when the NFL draft, uh, you know, gets closer. But we know that it's a fifty-fifty proposition. We've seen in the past that that GMs and scouts they tend to overthink the the quarterback thing. Like we all looked at Deshaun Watson last year. We saw a lot of him. We saw him every week, and we said, and I know I said, He's really this kid good. is a winner. This kid is going to go to the NFL, and whoever gets him, like he is going to he is going to make an impact right away. He's he's that good, and you know people get caught up with the you know the hand size and the arm strength and how, well, you know, how he looks about without, Jason, a, without pads on. I said the th- same thing about Jason Tatum. I was like, I saw him twice in person, and that was enough to convince me. Right, and like, look at what he's doing. Like, don't he's overthink great. it. Don't overthink it. And and the people are saying, you know, Baker Mayfield's not number one on our board. And I know this is a great class for quarterbacks, but sometimes you could just you could just overthink it. You know, it, look at the eye test and. Is this kid a winner? Can this kid you know make all the throws? Can he do what you want him to do in your offense? Um, but but we've seen that, and it it happens every single year. Scouts overthink this whole thing. So um, you know, I, I know this is a great class. Baker Mayfield's going to win the Heisman. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be just fine in the NFL. I think Sam Darnold's going to be just fine in the NFL. I Josh think Rosen. Josh Rosen. I mean, this is this is a really good class. Obviously, for quarterbacks. That's today's business. Brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Located in downtown Syracuse, Grossman St. Amore CPAs provides businesses and individuals with tax planning and tax preparation services and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amore CPAs can optimize financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com. Full lines now open the rest of the way, 315-437-7644. Back after this on Orange Nation.